welcome to Susquehanna Valley Church Podcast. This is Matt Saxinger, and I serve as head pastor. Hey, we want to help you think about stuff you need to think about, talk about stuff you need to talk about. And if this is your first time listening to our podcast, we want to say thanks for joining in with us. Uh, I got another number of other episodes we'd love for you to check out, so uh, make sure you give them a look. Got a special guest with us. We've got my buddy Jeff Willits with us. Jeff, go ahead and say hi. Hey, how you doing? Jeff, glad to have you here. Um, Why don't you just kind of start with saying, uh, what is it that you did in life so we can kind of get to know you a little bit? Uh, Well, I'm uh, one of six boys. I was born in a military family, Matt, and uh, of course we traveled around quite a bit. I went to three schools in three months already. Wow. So I had to learn to change and change pretty quick. Um, In fact, uh, if you're a military person, I knew what a duty roster was at the age of three. I, I don't even know. The duty, what the duty roster, roster is. is you have all your chores, everything that's posted on the refrigerator. At the age of three, at that's the age incredible. of three, yeah, I was. Uh, my dad was a sergeant. But anyway, my mom passed away at the age of thirty-nine with acute leukemia. She woke up one day, and uh, her dad, my dad, took her to the hospital. And two weeks later, she passed away. Wow. The youngest was eighteen months, and the oldest was sixteen years of age. And uh, six months after my mother passed away, my uh, oldest brother committed suicide. So we uh, kind of had a broken family and uh, ended up going to, to Milton Hershey, where I met my wife, Cindy, in my senior year at Milton Hershey. We have two sons and two granddaughters. And uh, as far as uh, where I worked, I'm now retired. I retired last December. I worked at FedEx for 35 years, enjoying the holidays now immensely. Yeah, I was going to say, so for 30, how many, 35 years? 35 years, years yeah. So as part yeah. of you, as we near the holidays, is part of you like still in package mode that you've got to think of like 500 packages uh, you have to deliver? Or? No. No, you're done. No. You're checked out. You know, as I was thinking about that, you might have been in diapers when I, I started my FedEx career. Really? Yeah. That's uh, yeah. not quite. Not well, quite. close. Well, I don't know. I don't know when I got out of them. Hopefully, it, before maybe 30. you had a hard potty training. I don't know. <laughs> it could have been a hard potty. <laughs> this is about you, not me. All, okay. right. All, we're, right. All right, we're not delving into my but, past. But anyway, um, 1975, I, I trusted the Lord as my Savior. Yeah. And um, three uh, dear people to me spoke into my life before that. A good friend named Jim, my uh, my girlfriend, whose name was Cindy, who's now I'm married to. And a quirky guy by the name of Thorpey. Um, I feel was, like you uh, have to be quirky if your name's Thorpey. Yes. Yeah. Is that was that his like? Please tell me that, that was, was his nickname. His name. That was uh, his name. Thorpey. Yeah, Thorpey. Thorpey. And um, he uh, he spoke to me, uh, talked to me, uh, talked to me about the Battle of Armageddon and and how and Revelation, how Jesus sure. was going to come back on a white horse and with fiery red eyes and how he was going to go against all the enemies, everybody that ever uh, lived. And, and, and that, that grabbed that, your and it attention. it scared me so bad. And I yeah. said to Thorpey, I don't want to be on that side. Yeah. I want to be on Jesus' side. And that night I went home and I prayed and I trusted Christ. And, and I'll tell you, um, my life was completely that's, changed. That's incredible. And, uh, yeah. It's like a sack of potatoes that I had. It just dropped off my back. The burdens rolled away. And I... I'm so thankful for those people speaking in my life. And, sure, uh, sure. So for, that was my people uh, going out. Yeah, that's where I was, and that's where I'm at now. I love it. Now, so question about that because I know you and I have talked uh, before about sort of your upbringing and some of the influence of the church. You know, early in your walk with Christ. Um, sure. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and so you've mentioned before, kind of this more rule based 
Christianity, which is interesting. You go all the way back to your roots at three years old, you're checking the chores and, and you've yeah, got the duties. Yeah, and uh, what was that like transitioning out of kind of this rule-based Christianity to more grace and love-based Christianity? Well, I tell you, I, I feel I'm still transitioning. Okay. Um, I was in, um, well, we used to call it a fundamental church. Uh, it was rule-based, but I, I look at it more as a duty-based um, faith. And that is, everything was about that it was my duty to witness. If you didn't go out on Thursday nights, uh, what we called soul winning, uh, there's something wrong with you. You didn't love God. Oh, wow. Uh, You uh, came to church. Uh, It didn't matter if it was ice on the road, if it was snow in the road. Yeah, it was your duty. That was your duty. If the doors were open, you were there. It was your duty to tithe. Everything was about duty. You just do it because you're supposed to. Exactly. And... um, the uh, the pastors that I that I uh, was involved with, it was interesting because one of their main focuses was to preach against other faiths. Okay. And um, I remember him preaching against Catholicism and the Pope, but in reality he became the Pope of the Church because through him. It was the Holy Spirit. He was the Holy Spirit for the church. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because I, I think I've seen that a number of times, and I grew up with some of that influence as well. And it, it seems so foreign to what the Scriptures teach us, where mm-hmm. from Christ's perspective, faith is more important than title. You know, what we label ourselves with denominationally is nowhere near as important to what we believe about Christ and what he's done. And, and I think you see that with the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Zealots and all the titles in the New Testament. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Christ is just going, well, what do you believe? <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. But I, uh, my wife really had the, uh, the inkling, I should say, to leave the, uh, the duty church or the, or okay. the law-based church. I love how and, often uh, God speaks to us through, through a godly woman. Yes, That's awesome. yeah. And, and I, I'm blessed uh, to have a, a wonderful wife in Amen that respect. Uh, well, we left, and um, we uh, we started coming here right away. My wife found the church because of the sign that was at the corner of Union Deposit Road. Oh, yeah, Road, the, the one that's that, now kind of outdated. The rickety sign, and, and, yeah. And, yeah. and uh, she saw that, but we came here. Um, but I, I think what happened to me that really helped my transition from a complete word-based religion as far as law and word and i tell you i learned a lot of bible there i did well and that's the thing they, yeah. they often are very good at yeah. getting the information across right. but what i learned was the the transition as far as when you join the word with worship it becomes an unbelievable explosion yeah. in my heart you lose the duty and now it's a desire it's, it's now, a love it's now what you want it's a do. love and yep. uh we did a trip up to brooklyn tabernacle and uh, as soon as I walked in that church, the, the, the hairs on the back of my head stood completely up. And I said to my wife, God is here. God wow, is here. That's incredible. And I've never been the kind, I've always been discouraged of, the, of a touchy-feely kind sure, of Sure, which is, which is typical of coming out of that fundamental background. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you don't want to raise your arms. You don't want to show emotion. expressive, right. And those type of things. But they sat us about five seats away from the very front which was a powerful place to sit. And uh, I don't know the number of services they had that Sunday, but as we sat there, they began to sing, and I could see the faces and the tears coming out of these people's 
faces crying out of the worship team at, out of the brooklyn tabernacle choir and what an singing these songs experience. and i said to myself i have missed it i have missed what true worship is i have missed the fact that when i sing these songs i'm not singing them to fill time i'm not singing them because they're the next thing on the list is to, to do right I'm, right they're it's singing what them your because heart they love wants. god and it just transformed me into saying oh my word I have not been worshiping the Lord, and, and and it just... You were doing the duty, but because the heart wasn't in it, it wasn't worshipful. Is that what you're saying? That's correct. It was just words. It hmm. was words. But uh, Jim Cimbala, who's the pastor there, you know, had a message, and he talked about the fact that one time he had bought a brand new, uh, I think, $800 suit he was wearing. And, and they deal with a lot of uh, homeless and a homeless person came up to him in the very uh, very front, and one of the deacons wouldn't let him come to Jim. And he went to Jim and said, this homeless person wants to talk to you, and he smells terrible. Yeah. And Jim says, let him come. Let him come. And um, when he came to Jim Cimbala, Jim Cimbala says, the stench was so bad, I could barely take it. You know, the, the, the smell of the street was on him, the alcohol, mm. the the, uh, all, all the things that he slept in was just terrible. He says, and all of a sudden, he wanted to hug me, and I was thinking, oh, my word, I have an $800, yeah, $800 suit on. Suit. Right, That's right. going to destroy the suit. He says, but I let him hug me. He says, and the Lord spoke to me and said, Jim, what you're smelling is your sin in my nostrils. What a perspective. Yeah. Not his sin. Mm-hmm. It's yours. And that hit me, Matt, because in a fundamental church or a rule-based church, you're always there judging others. When yeah, our right. sin, you, you almost have to be. In the, in the nose of God is just as much stench. Yeah, as it it's is. just cleaned up yeah. with, with yeah. self-righteousness and yeah. Yeah. So that's interesting. That's uh, uh, pretty much, uh, you know, First Corinthians 13 talks about if I don't have love. Yeah, and we don't get to choose the recipients of it. Yeah, I, I, what am I? You know what I am? The Bible says I'm a tinkling symbol, or I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, um, I'm a gong. You know what right. that was in the Bible? A gong or symbols it talked about was when the merchants wanted to lure you over to their tables. They used sure. to make a whole bunch of noise, see, with symbols okay. and gongs, and 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 that's all I was. I was an irritating noise. And God says, we don't want you to be an irritating noise. We want you to be someone who has true love and charity. Yeah, and that's yeah. what really draws people. Yeah, and I love it. that's where I came out of. It, exactly. And I appreciate you sharing that and uh, giving us that insight into the moments that God used to move you away from this sort of, really, if I can be honest, kind of the self-centered approach to Christianity where I'm going to do everything for myself to satisfy my own idea of what what I think should be as opposed to what, what does God call me to do in the love of others? Uh, recently in, in church, we've been talking through this idea of what it means for us to be a church that continually looks to say, how can we reach the world around us? And uh, we looked at the life of the Apostle Paul this past week in First Corinthians yeah, 9. Really good message. Uh, yeah. Good, good, good. Um, you kind of have to say that because you're being recorded, but whatever. <laughs> no, that's not true. Yeah. <laughs> Now, I looked at Paul's life, and we made a big deal of the fact that uh, he had to let go mm-hmm. of things yeah. to reach others. Yeah. 
and uh, talked about he had to let go of some of his preferences, which in a in an affluent society is, I mean, that's danger zone. You don't touch the things people the way that they prefer them. Yeah. You just let them go. Um, but he had to let go of his preferences, had to let go of his comforts. Um, and really his familiarity with what he was used to mm-hmm. um, as he transitions to reaching people in different cultures, uh, even had to let go of his physical way of well-being. You see in the scriptures he's beaten multiple yeah. times. Mm-hmm. Um, Jeff, what are some of the things that you find people uh, right now? So we got that's Paul's life then. But what are, what are the things people right now need to be willing to let go of in order to reach the next generation? Well, I thought about this for a little bit, and I think people need to let go on focusing on obstacles. Okay. Um, Because obstacles, when you focus on them, always take you back to the past. Interesting. What do you mean by that? Well, historically, that we tried this, well, that failed, right? That's an obstacle. All right. We have to be careful of that obstacle. You know, the, the Hebrew children, when they left Egypt, right? They're, they're in the land, and they're like, well, you know, all these obstacles that we see, we would have been better back in Egypt. That's right. And, yeah, they're thinking back. And, and I think, uh, for instance, you know, like we recently went to the second service, right? Did that, that was a tough thing. When I got here, yeah. like I was pretty much given a heads up in the first interview of, hey, Matt, we're, we're glad you're here, you know, went through the formalities. <laughs> yeah. uh, P.S., we tried two services before, and it hasn't worked. We've tried it a bunch of times, doesn't work. And, like, and so in my mind, I saw that, okay, that's a big obstacle in the people's minds. Uh, it wasn't necessarily my goal to say we're going to come in and get to two services, but to see that right away, that that was a big deal to people because mm-hmm. of what they've been through. Yeah. But I think obstacles um, are something that could, that can just put you in concrete, you know, because like I said, you, you think of the past, but if there's one person that had obstacles, like you said, it was Paul. Yeah. Right. I mean, he had the beatings, he had all these things. Imprisonment. But the thing is, you know, he chose, however, you know, to maintain his focus on what his calling of God. Yeah. He'll let God take care of the things he can't figure out. Right. And he'll just yeah. be, he'll, he'll just be faithful to what he's called to. And, and that's why Paul was able to persevere. Yeah. To get past those obstacles. Sure, sure. You know? And I think us as a church, we need to focus more on what God can do and what we can't do. I love it. You know, yeah. one of our values is uh, we're going to expect yeah. God to do great things. And the the kind of the confidence that that's brought, the staff in particular, mm-hmm. is this mentality of we're just going to keep doing what we think God wants us to do, yeah. and we're going to trust that he's going to have results on the other end of it. Right. And, yeah. and that's yeah. it's a freeing thing to live that way and, and mm-hmm. something that's fun to be able to experience. Mm-hmm. You know, there's often a saying, and I don't, I don't know if I agree with this saying, you know, try God. No, how about trust God? Yeah. You know, there's a difference between trying something and trusting it. Sure, sure. You know. Well, I was just reading in Isaiah today as I was prepping for a funeral that, you know, faith has this, it's expression and hope that the result of faith should produce hope. And we tend to think of they're they're kind of, you know, two different subjects and they're unrelated. It's a building, isn't it? Right, yeah. Faith should naturally progress uh, into hope Mm -hmm. because we're certain of what God said. Yeah. yeah. You know, the other thing I, I had to let go uh, besides music. <laughs> All right, that? we got to pause there. Yeah, what? Yeah. So so besides music, we can't move past that one okay. now quick. I'm not well, going to let you Well, when I first came here, um, they, they had uh, 
pretty uh, contemporary music. And that's a big difference from you coming out of Huge. the fundam. What Huge. like give me a give me a picture of the scene of the music where you came from? Like, well, it was a very uh, traditional um, hymns. Yeah, basically hymns. Uh, I used to lead the singing. Did you? you? Know, well, I didn't know. Maybe we'll have you back four up time, leading four, four time. And, and when I came here, I tell you, Matt, a quick little story was, I loved the message. Okay. In fact, as an old uh, law-based um, religion, he even spoke out of the King James version, and I was like, "Yeah, oh, so that's where that's right, yeah, yeah, that's that's right up your alley. Right? This is good stuff." And, and anyway, <laughs> um, but when it came to the music, it was so loud and the drums and all that kind of stuff, and and you know what I did? I called. The chairman of the elders. Here no, I am. No, I did. Didn't. I did. <laughs> and and um, I complained to him. Wow. I mean, here I am, a visitor, right? Yeah. After so your two first time services, okay. I call him up, and I say, you know, that just isn't worshipful. Yeah. And he said to me, "Look, we've already had the worship war here." Huh. He said, "And we would love for you to continue to come with us, but." It, but if if you want to, there's a lot of churches out there that sure. you might feel more comfortable being in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, and he didn't say it's either our way or the highway. No, right. But it's what just... he said was, "Look, this is who we are. We're not going to come back and fight that war again." And and listen, we love having you, but if you don't want to come here because of our music, listen, we encourage you to serve the Lord some other place. And sure. that was a complete different mindset. And, and it's really freeing for you as an individual to to realize, okay, you know, I'm yeah. either going to get on board with a transition for yeah. me to try yeah. and reach people, or I'll go to a place that's kind of my my preferred style of music. Mm-hmm. And again, it goes back to that giving up our preferences. Yeah. Some yeah. of the most incredible worship I've seen was was at a different church, but again, contemporary music with some older women in the congregation who couldn't stand contemporary music, mm-hmm. couldn't stand it. But you would never know it by looking at them, yeah. Because they sat in the front row, and or they stood in the front row, and they would sing, and mm-hmm. you think, man, they they must love this music. And and you talk to them, and they're like, no, we don't, we don't like the music at all. We prefer hymns. We prefer, you know, no drums. And um, and we would ask them, well, why why in the world do you sit up front? And they said, well, because we like to turn around and see everybody else worshiping. We like to turn around and see all the young people worshiping God. Mm-hmm. And that always just stuck with me. Uh, they would have never gotten to see that if they stuck with their preferred style of music. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate you yeah. letting yeah. us dive music, into that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I guess the last one, real quick, was um, I, I personally I had to let go of a mindset of of not having an older pastor. Okay. Because I said to my wife, "Honey, it's the first time in my life I've ever had a pastor that was younger than me." Now is this was this with me or was that this was with you? Okay, yeah. Yeah. and um, I had to kind of think about that, but sure. I was excited about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, but my younger was like forty five. Okay, fifty yeah. in my mind. Yeah, well, I feel you like know? a fifty year old if that helps. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Well, I'm at. Uh, <laughs> um, I was going to say. Um, I'll be kind to you. <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah Mike's I, I shouldn't say that. Yeah, yeah. But anyway. Yeah, so that's just a couple of the um, things that sure. let, so, let go of. Yeah. Well, so let, let's kind of look at that a little bit. Like, what was it that God kind of did in your heart to make it okay for you to have a younger pastor? Like, how did He kind of walk you through that? Well, um, and I would have to say, younger pastor, and I would say you, Matt, sure. was uh, first of all, you like to fish. Okay, so yeah, that was awesome. common ground. Yeah. yeah, that's common ground. Um. I, I, I love the fact of, of the energy level. Yeah. 
and the the um, relation that you uh, the relationships that you have with staff. Okay. Because they're young. Sure. Right. And 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 they need someone possibly young to be able to relate to their um, to their struggles. Right. You know things like that. And uh, I tell you the truth, I I really believe that God wanted us to reach people that was young because we've lost a lot of young folks. And and we've got a lot of young people in our community who are hurting and and broken and and don't have a relationship with Christ. And and, uh, my wife said this to me the other day, you know, one of the things that encouraged us when we uh, visited our oldest son when he was in college was we went to his room, uh, to, to a room, and there was about Oh, eight or ten people in there, young people, and they were, they were having a, a like a, a worship service. That's really cool. Playing the guitar, singing hymns, singing songs, singing all different types of of Christian music, and she says that so encouraged my heart. And it's awesome it as an older person to see, yeah. to see young people praising yeah. God, loving the Lord, and serving the Lord. And that really, to me, is a real mindset for me as an older person to see people that are younger and i so appreciate that that to me is an encouragement uh, to the next generation that that is aging underneath to say hey how are we going to transition are we going to be concerned about the church after us Mm -hmm. and that's a big deal for me because the church is bigger than any generation and and we want it to continue to have an influence so on kind of that note um you had a pretty cool experience this past summer um helping out with what we call vacation bible cool and uh, just kind of tell me about your experience there and what it was like for you to adapt to something new. Well, first of all, I, had, I, I was um, motivated the fact that you had spoke about getting involved in you know, Vacation Bible Cool. And uh, the bigger picture for me was uh, when you, and this is something that I've learned, I've shared with the uh, men's ministry on breakfast when we had it the other day, was when you said that it's not about us how we look at God fitting in our life. It's how we yeah. look to fitting in his life. Sure. And and when I when I drank that in, I said, What what can I do, Lord? What can I do in your life? Okay, not what I'm I like comfortable it. with. Mm-hmm. All right. You yep. know, not what so, I prefer, not yeah, what I'm yeah. used to. So I thought, you know what, I'm retired and I got all this time in the world. And uh I'm yeah, I'm gonna I'm going to go up, and I told Miss Rachel, I said, hey, I'm, I'm signing up. She says, great. She says, now what's your experience with kids? <laughs> and I said, well, when I was younger, we had what we called super church. We must have had 200 super kids. Church. 200 kids, we bust them in. You know, that was the day yeah. of the buses. You went out, I was That's bus captain. Yep. I went knocking on doors, and I had like 50, 60 kids riding on my bus, right? And she says, great. Well, what was your job? And I said, well, I was the bouncer. <laughs> yeah, I suit. So, so yeah. Super Church has a bouncer. Super Church has That's a bouncer. your job. All the okay. kids that do not behave go to a bus, and you are to sit on the bus and give them the evil eye <laughs> and intimidate them as much as you. Which, can. with the military background, that was I right fit, up your alley. It, it was a gift of God. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, Maybe so not, that was. But my, anyway, <laughs> and Rachel said, "Well, we're not going to have that." Yeah, yeah don't, we don't have that role. No, no we, we don't have that here. Uh, no bus, no bad kids. It's going to be fun. So uh, I, I will say that, that it was great. It was fantastic. I was very, very nervous about it. Mm. I, I didn't know what to expect. Um, they said, you're going to have four or five kids. 
I did, and the second time I was here, second day, I ended up with eight or ten. And I'm like, what in the world? Yeah. And I ran to Dawn, and I'm like, Dawn, Dawn, help me, help me. You know, because now I got eight, eight, ten kids. She says, I, I, I got it under control, Jeff. Okay? <laughs> so I ended up with four, and the reason I, I kind of freaked out was I started bringing them candy, see? Ah. And I only had enough for four or five. Now, sure. what am I going to do? I'd have to eat all the candy because I couldn't just give it to four or five people. Right, right. Right? Yeah. So I like that up, you had to eat it. You couldn't wait till the next day. You had to eat it. Well, that's true. You know what? <laughs> I, I I never thought about that. You know, <laughs> that's a, that's yeah. what I'm here for. <laughs> yeah, yeah. appreciate that. But um, I, I thoroughly enjoyed all the little skits. Yeah. You know, and I was right there with them and uh, loving it. You know, Pharaoh, Pharaoh. I, that was my favorite. Yeah, you were rocking it. I, I was watching you. That was impressive. Yeah, yeah. In fact, there was no fundamental in that song. That was, oh, that, no. you were charismatic. It was, <laughs> yeah. But uh, I, I will say this if, if anyone here is even thinking about it, don't think about it. Do it. Yeah. You, you, know? you only have so much time on this earth. Yeah. yeah. Plus, if it doesn't work out for you, you know, we'll relieve you somewhere. Through there, but give it a give it a we'll shot. Put you on you the know? bus. Yeah, yeah. You could be the bouncer. <laughs> yeah, you never know. I, I've heard that story so many times when where people just decided to trust God and it ended up being one yeah, of the greatest yeah, experiences. Yeah. Of, of it's their like life. when your wife says, "Honey, let's go here over here." You're like, "No, nah, no, nah, I want to stay home." And you go there and you say, "Man, I'm sure glad I went." Right. It's the same thing. Just, just got to get <laughs> yeah. up and give it a go. Right. Yeah. Um, Jeff, I started reading a book called uh, "Canoeing the Mountains." Really interesting book, and, and we'll probably hear about it a couple times coming up. Um, but the premise is really, what does it look like for us to reach a world that's not Christian anymore? You know, we had in our mind this expectation of what it would be. And now that we're Christians and, and we're, we're tasked with reaching the world, it doesn't look like we, what we thought it would look like. And, and so, uh, he's got a quote here. I just want to get your thoughts on, he says, if Western societies have become post-Christian mission fields, so it's no longer a Christian society. How can traditional churches become missionary churches? What are your thoughts on that? Hey, could you say that one more time? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, uh, that's pretty deep for me. I'm not a theologian, but say that one more time. Sure. How can, how can a traditional church become a missionary-minded, a missional church, where it, it's not so much about doing everything the way that we do it to, these are the people that we're going to reach, because the world around us is not Christian anymore. You know, it's kind of like the church went to sleep and woke up 30 years later and all of a sudden, you know, a whole bunch of people moved in who don't believe in Jesus and and don't care about God. So how can we transition from traditional church to missionary church? Well, I I think we've done a really great job in missions. Yeah. We love to spend money towards missions. It it sort of pacifies us that, you know, Lord, uh, I think we've done enough. Hmm. And, and I think that our attitudes have been, um, God, you've called me to help, and this is how I'm helping. But uh, thinking about this, and, and I did it, actually, uh, I did a little research. Okay. Just thinking about this. I, that's impressive if you do and, research. Um, I'm excited. I, um, I came up with uh, this, and that is um, that, you know, the traditional churches, they, they really need uh, to return to the original message. And, and that is not only to speak the gospel, but to act the gospel. Exactly. Uh, because really in our society that, that's around us, they've sort of left God in the dust. Sure. And, and I think in order for us, we, we, we say to ourselves, what in the world's going on? What's going on with society? 
Yeah, what's wrong uh, with yeah, them? What's going on? <laughs> I just watched a, a movie, a document, documentary on Mr. Rogers. Oh, okay. And I mean, what a great, kind guy he was. Sure. And someone said to me, well, you know what? We need a public figure like that again about kindness and things okay. like that. And I said to them, no, that starts at home. Yeah. Yep. Uh, because when he was that public figure, we had the Vietnam War, we had all kinds of rioting, we, and he was still a public figure. But, yeah. that, but if we're the kind of person that Christ needs us to be in our homes and extend that out to our, our neighbors mm-hmm. and extend mm-hmm. that out to the locale and begin not only to speak of that, but to act on the gospel in our lives, it could change Jeff, is there one passage of Scripture that you find most motivates you to be active in, in reaching those who don't know Christ? Well, one of my favorite verses, and, and Matt, I, I must read this verse. I don't know how many times, um, especially before I speak. And, and, and it just speaks to my heart when even when I go see people. And that's uh, Isaiah 61.1. In fact, it's the first verse that Jesus quoted from the Old Testament. Okay. And that is that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Now, if the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, it means it wants me to do something. Yeah. Right? And it says, Because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. Sure, sure. And, yeah, it is a command. Hmm. But... It is a direction that God gives me and motivates me. This is why I've given you my spirit, to make a difference in people's lives. Now, Jeff, you take that spirit and you share the love of Christ in people's lives. That that should be the result of you knowing God is a desire to help others know God. So what do you say to the person who says, well, that's nice, but Jeff, I'm not a missionary. I'm not a preacher. I mean, does that apply to them? Well, absolutely it does, because... I think the fact is that we're all on a mission. Yeah. We might not agree to the mission. We might not um, like the mission that people are on. But everybody's a missionary. We're all called to reach somebody. And there's always someone watching us that we don't even know is watching us. Sure. That Watching to see how we act, watching to see what we do, things like that. Um, I think everybody can be a missionary. Now, there's different ways of being a missionary. Yeah. You know, when we send people out to the field, not everybody preaches, do they? No. Some people maybe teach kids something. Some people maybe fix things, tech, technical things. We're all missionaries. We all have gifts that God has given us. And uh, to someone that says, I'm not a missionary, I believe they are. They I just like have that. to find that gift and be able to put that gift to use for the kingdom of God. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We all have the ability to serve in some way. Yeah. We all have the responsibility to try and connect other people with Christ. And, and we all have sort of our own little mission field, whether or not people mm-hmm. want to own up to that. Right. right we all yeah. have people that are unique to us that we interact mm-hmm. with, but that probably other Christians don't. Mm-hmm. And what does it look like for us to use our unique experience with God and help our, you know, help connect them with Christ? Yeah. You know, my wife has a unique mission and that is she loves to write encouraging notes to people. Yeah, that's incredible. That's a mission field. Yeah. Because when people need that note, they need that encouragement, it's there. Someone sure. that I don't even know, someone I hardly know, wrote me this note. Yeah, how it's valuable is that? because they care. 
Yep. They care. Yeah. Yep. To take time. Uh, for me, uh, the, the verse that really kind of motivates me um, is First John 2, 1 and 2, where John writes, he says, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for our sins, but also for the sins of the whole world. The, the reason that um, that stands out to me is one that that encourages me to share my faith or, or help others, you know, find a connection with Christ in some way. Um, if it's through inviting them to church or inviting them to an event as a step before that, whatever it takes, Th- that motivates me because of the reality that um, John is telling us that Jesus already paid the price. Yeah. It's already paid, covered. Yes, yeah. Their entrance yeah. fee has already yeah. been paid for. We've been redeemed. Yeah. And, yeah. and so like it, their their spots already been paid for. I just have to go let them know that. Say, hey, yeah. somebody loved you this much that they have provided, secured an entrance into heaven if you respond yeah. to that in faith. And so just the reality that somebody has paid for that, I don't want them to have to suffer for their own sins when Christ has already suffered for mm-hmm. them. Um, yeah. I, I don't. I definitely don't like paying for anything twice. Yeah, yeah. But, but yeah. especially when it's you know talking about eternity. So yeah, that that's been a motivator for me. This reality of and what Christ has done is sufficient for everybody yeah. I know. You know, if we found a whole bunch of gold along the road and we could only haul so much, wouldn't we want to tell a friend? Yeah. Hey, listen, I found a bunch of gold. Absolutely. Why don't you come and get some? Mm-hmm. I mean, heaven's gold, isn't it? it? It is. Forgiveness is gold. Yeah. Love is gold. Grace is gold. Yeah. yeah. So, Amen. so and, and that's sort of where we went in the sermon on Sunday. We ended with this reality of, like, if you didn't know Jesus and you didn't know anything about his love or his forgiveness or his grace or his kindness, what length would you want someone else to go to reach you? Yeah. yeah. You know, what efforts know. would you want them to make? Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I try to keep that in mind as well. Yeah. Um, let me ask this. Um, what do you think is actually more effective in, in reaching people <laughs> in our culture right now? Is it having the right answers or is it having right behavior? What is your perspective on that? <laughs> well, sometimes it's a combination of both. No, that's not a possible. No, I'm yeah, just I know, I know. But uh, I saw something the other day, and I think it answers your question. Okay, let's hear it. And that is, to be kind is more important than to be right. Many times what people need is not a brilliant mind that speaks, but a special heart that listens. Yeah. And I think we need to develop a little bit more of a listening, compassionate heart. I I think you're right. We're so, you know, pointed in our minds to we've got to have an answer. We've got to have an answer as opposed to just how can I love this person, even by listening, as as you're talking about. Yeah. I I was talking with somebody else about this concept and their their response to it I thought was pretty interesting. Um, They were talking about. Um, how we, we need to be willing to live consistency consistently within our beliefs. And specifically, they cited the example of like when you make a mistake, so, so when I mess up, how do I respond? Yeah. Do, do you I do try that? and you, you oh, I make up, lots of mistakes. Make, make them all Could the you time. tell me a few? Yeah. Well, okay. I decided to have this guy Jeff on <laughs> yeah. a podcast once. <laughs> I knew that was coming. Yeah. <laughs> That's a curveball you hit out of the park. There yeah, you go. Yeah. Um, but no, no, when I make a mistake, what is my response to it? And how does the gospel, how does it influence my own response to my own failure? Do I beat myself up too much? 
Like I like who am I to have actually been able to mess up? You know, do I have that sort of response or do I try and blame somebody else and, and shift the responsibility <laughs> to somewhere else? Yeah, yeah. Um, or do I just ignore it or, or what do I do? Do I try to own up to it in humility? Like if you, if you're in the, if you're in the parking lot and you open the door and you scratch somebody else's car, well, how, what's your response to that? Well, how, how does yeah. Christ want you to respond? Yeah, look around, see if anybody's looking. Yeah, yeah, yeah and drive yeah, away yeah. quick. Or, but now yeah. with all the security and yeah, you're probably you know, calling anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's sweating a little bit right, right now because yeah. they're worried about that. Uh, I I think uh, and, and talking with this guy, he he actually gave the example of making uh, like a ten thousand dollar mistake at the mm. company that he worked for and had every opportunity to to shove it under the mm, rug yeah, so that yeah. nobody knew about it. But he felt like living consistently with his belief would cause him to go to his boss and just own up to it and be willing to make that up. And, and what an incredible testimony yeah, of somebody yeah. saying, Character. this is who I am. If I yeah. want to reach my coworkers, I have to be consistent with this. Mm-hmm. My faith yeah. is worth more than $10,000, which is an incredible, um, incredible way to think about it. Yeah, that's yeah. good. Yeah. It, it, it is. And, yeah. and so that's a hard thing to do, isn't it? Oh, it absolutely Easy thing is. Would we be prefer what? to just yeah. avoid it or ignore it or, or, or yeah. blame somebody else. Right, or, right. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, um, yeah, I think it's you were right, if we can say right answers and right behavior. But certainly, if you have wrong beha- behavior and right answers, yeah. it, it undermines it. You know, it doesn't seem authentic. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and that's something that I think our culture craves is an authentic answer. And yeah. it, I mean, not yeah. a perfect, not a perfect yeah. person. Um, and, and I remember years ago, somebody saying to me, Matt, I, I'll never be a Christian because as much as I love everything that Jesus says and does the, the Christians I know they're, they're hypocritical, they're fake. Mm-hmm. And my response was like, I'm sorry you feel that way, but the religion is not built on perfect people. No, the no, whole thing no. is built on people who needed, a, needed a Messiah to die for them. And so, yeah. Um, it's certainly not about perfection, but we do want to be authentic with who we are. And, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. For, if we're going to have any hope of reaching a society for Christ, mm-hmm. uh, it's going to start there. Well, Jeff, I appreciate you coming out. I appreciate your insight into, you know, into your life and what God's taught you over the years. Um, and, uh, look forward to having you on again in the future to hear some more stuff. And, okay, uh, great. um, if yeah. you are listening in and you are, uh, one of our community group members, we'd love to have you talk about a couple questions. If you're not in a community group, we'd love to be able to, to, uh, plug you into one. Um, but j- just some stuff for you to talk about with your community group. would love for you to read first Corinthians nine, 19 to 23 and, and ask the question, what do you think led Paul to be so invested in the gospel that he would give up so much for it? So what do you think led him to that point where he was willing to be that invested that he gave up so much? Um, and then the next next one is this. If you woke up in a totally foreign land, so we're going we're gonna to just kind of pretend here. You woke up in a totally foreign land with totally foreign people next to nothing in common. What would you have to do to bring them to Christ? And so just, just kind of play that out in your group. Let's just say tomorrow you woke up in, in a place you didn't recognize with people you didn't know. Um, what would, what would you have to do to be able to reach them for Christ? You know, just kind of talk through that. And then how does that mentality influence our role as a church in the community that we're in right now? Uh, How does it frame that? So love for you to talk about that. Hey, I want to thank you again for checking us out and listening in. If there's ever anything we can do to pray for you or just to encourage you in your journey, we'd love for you to reach out and send us an email. Uh, But otherwise we look forward to having you back next time.